So we are in a series entitled Choices. Choices. And uh, as we've um, said and went through this series, we make thousands of choices um, a day and throughout the course of the week. Choices that are simple, some of them. And we have a choice to do them or not. Some choices that are a little more significant than others. Really? Um, And we're learning about choices that are significant and spiritual choices like the one that we covered a couple weeks ago that we looked at in terms of truth, speaking the truth in love. And then last week, another choice that we make. A choice to stand firm, to continue to follow, to continue to obey, to continue to be. This morning, we're looking at yet another choice, one that's foundational, important. Choices to claim the promises and the power of God. And along with it, the choice to trust or not trust, to have faith or not have faith. And the next week we're going to end the series with another choice that I think is really hard in a lot of ways. The choice to love or not love. And it's been my hope that throughout this entire series that the truth that God has been bringing, that you've been open to it and that you're applying it in your heart and your life. Thanks so much, Jason. I hope you choose to take a shower. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) <laughs> he is such a such a good guy. I showed him those signs, and he's like, "Really?" But yeah. But we have choices um, always, and uh, a choice, like I mentioned, um, to trust or not to trust. And I want to invite you to look at a passage with me where somebody faced a hard decision um, to trust God or not to trust. And it was a decision, it was a situation that was incredibly um, stacked against them. Have you ever been there? A choice where you're thinking about it and you're kind of weighing things out, right? Should I or shouldn't I? What are the odds you do maybe feasibility studies in your head and you're looking at all the evidence and everything else, all of the facts, and you're wondering and you're weighing it out. Well, this person had such a situation. And everything said, um, don't make the choice that God is telling you to make. The situation is found in Jeremiah 32. I want to invite you to turn to that chapter We're going to look at at the situation and some of the odds, some of the things that are going on so you can kind of see really uh, how it took faith for Jeremiah to trust God in this decision because he hopes that in seeing what's there and and the choice that he had and and the choice that he made, that that will work in your heart to think about how it is that you trust him. 
So the choice that Jeremiah had put before him, and if you're looking at Jeremiah 32, maybe your Bible has it, maybe not. Um, I have a little header that says, Jeremiah buys a field. So how many of you have ever had to make a decision about buying something that's pretty substantial? Okay, maybe it was a field, maybe a farm, maybe um, deer hunting property, whatever. And so what do you do when you have that decision before you? Don't you look at all different kinds of things? There's all kinds of things that you consider. How about a home? Purchase of a home. That's a pretty substantial purchase. Even a vehicle. Holy cow, I look at the price of vehicles today. There's all kinds of things that we consider, things that we start to factor in, if you will. And so if you farm, you're going to use that land to try to generate some income, you figure it out, right? Is it going to happen? Is this going to be profitable for me? You, You buy a house. You're considering it. You have to weigh out all different kinds of things. Can I afford it? What are the payments going to be? What are needed repairs? What are things that are going to have to happen? Is it a good location? There are all different kinds of things that go into that, right? And so Jeremiah is looking at buying a field. That's the choice, that's the decision that he has in front of him. A choice not unlike any of the choices that we're called to make. But he had a really crazy situation. So God comes to him, we read that in verse 6, the word of the Lord came to me, told him exactly what was going to happen. And we might not think that's a really big deal. So God tells you to buy a field. Well, what's the problem with that? Well, consider the situation. If you were to read the first five verses of chapter 32, you'd see what a big deal it was. One of the things that Jeremiah has going against him is, first of all, he's been imprisoned. The the king, Zedekiah, didn't like what it was that Jeremiah was telling him, telling him all of the bad things, the true things, like, Israel and you have abandoned me. Therefore, the nation of Israel is going to be overthrown. The city is going to fall and you're going to be exiled. So Jeremiah was imprisoned because he told the truth. Well, how does that work into buying a field? He's not going to see the field. He can't go there. He can't look at it. Maybe he's familiar with the field. Maybe not. But he's being asked to buy something he can't even lay his eyes on or have the hope of, he doesn't know how long he's going to be there, of even using. And then it's worse, of course, right? They're going to be exiled. It's happening in the moment. Verse 2 says, the army of the king of Babylon was then besieging Jerusalem. It's already unfolding. This wasn't just words about the future. This was present tense. So he's being asked to buy a field. First of all, he's in prison. Second of all, uh, he's going to get carted off to a foreign land along with everybody else. How many of you would buy a field or a house knowing that you were never going to be able to use it? You were never going to be able to see it. You were never going to be able to set foot on it. And you were going to be gone and you, and you never would. 
Yeah. Crazy situation. And yet God tells him to buy the field. (laughs) You want to know something crazier? He does. You start thinking that through. He's told that he is, his cousin is going to come, and he does. Verse 8. I think about that too. I think about that cousin. Hanamel is his name. What a guy, huh? I think I'll get some cash in my pocket. I'll see who's the sucker. I'm going to get exiled just like everybody else. Maybe I can have some traveling money. Jeremiah's pretty crazy. I'll go see if I can get him to buy it. Nice guy. But he does. He buys the field. How many times um, do we have choices that we need to make that are similar to buy a field or not buy a field, so to speak? Well, we have choices like that all of the time. Do we have similar circumstances and situations? I don't know. I do know this. I've been called to make choices, to make decisions in moments when it seemed incredibly, incredibly foolish to do so. Everything said, don't do it. I think you've had those situations and opportunities as well. It's pretty amazing. I said, Jeremiah buys the field. He obeys God. And not only does he buy it, if you read the passage, there's something else that happens as well. And they get into it in in verses, um, really starting at verse 11 down to verse 16. He not only buys it, but then he kind of ma- he makes it legal. He makes sure that everything is done. The, the, the signing of the deed. Now, why would this have to happen? They're going to be gone shortly. Everything's going to get t- torn away. Why go through all the hoops, right? Just give me the money and we'll call it good. No, they, they sign the deed. They get it recorded. So it goes down, so to speak, in the annals of history and government. And there's a reason for that. And the reason is what is said in verse 15. For this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel says, houses, fields, and vineyards will again be bought in this land. I I don't know how many people that were watching the siege ramp be built and were looking out over the city walls, seeing a vast Babylonian army really believed that. And yet that's exactly why it was done the way that it was done. God says something really significant in that moment. And he wants everybody to see it and everybody to know it. That's in the city of Jerusalem, that's in the presence. That will look at that and say, what an idiot. He bought a field when we were on the verge of exile. It's going to be dated, etc., etc. He did something that made absolutely no sense. 
and he was obedient. And I love the words, verses 17 down to verse 23 in chapter 32. Jeremiah acknowledges who God is. So this is some incredible and powerful and beautiful things in a prayer that he lifts up. But then he ends it this way, verses 24 and 25. See how the siege ramps are built up to the city because of the sword, famine, and plague. And the city will be handed over to the Babylonians who are attacking it. What you have said has happened Though this city will be handed over to the Babylonians, you, O sovereign Lord, say to me, buy the field with silver and have the transaction witnessed. Really? Why, God? See, even in Jeremiah's heart, there's some confusion. There's some uncertainty to be expected. He struggles, and the reason that we know that's what he's dealing with is the words that follow in verses 26 and 27 that we'll read in just a minute. But I want to ask you again, have you ever been there? Have you ever been in a situation where God has asked you to make a choice, to make a decision that makes absolutely no sense? And you've sat and you, you, you've thought it out, you've did it all on paper, right? You've waited out in your head. You've looked at all of the evidences. Maybe it's just a decision about something that we talked about last week. We looked at truth to stand firm, to be bold, to be courageous. And yet you're looking at all of the people, classmates, other people, and you're thinking, I'm going to be an idiot. They're going to ridicule me. They're going to mock me. Really? Why, God? Why would I do that? When I know all of this is going to happen. All kinds of different examples, situations that we find ourselves in to make choices, real choices. To trust God or not to trust God. When when everything seems stacked up, all the odds, everything says don't do it. Have you ever been there? And then ask yourself, really, why God? He made a choice. And then God says something profound. Something that I hope that you never forget for your whole entire life. Because it's at the core of some of the decision making that we go through. Of the choices that we make every, every day. Choices that I would submit to you that you make that you don't realize the impact of which they'll have spiritually. That ripple effect. He even uses Jeremiah's own words. Jeremiah says this, he starts out in that prayer, verse 17. A sovereign Lord, you've made the heavens and the earth by your great power and outstretched arm. Nothing is too hard for you. He says it and then he, he asks him at the end, you having me by a field? Really? Why? Here's how God answers that. Look at that. This is verses 26 and 27. Then the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah. I am the Lord, the God of all mankind. Is anything too hard for me? What do you think? Who's God to you? Really? When you're facing that tough call. And you've got an opportunity 
to be bold and courageous, salt and light. When everything around you says, (laughs) who is God to you in that moment? I want to encourage you to think long and hard about that. Because the world desperately needs people who believe that God is who He says He is. The world desperately needs people to follow Him and to be. The world desperately needs people to be salt and light. The world desperately needs people who are bold and courageous, who speak truth, who live truth. who choose to speak truth, who choose to stand firm and do something that everybody else is going to laugh and, and, and just call them nonsensical in other words for. The world needs to see it because the world needs to see who God is. An awesome, incredible, almighty God, a God to whom nothing is impossible. A God who says through the living of your life is anything too hard for me. You know the definition of faith according to Hebrews 11.1? I hope you you memorize it. It's a powerful, powerful um, verse and truth. Now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. You know, a lot of times in conversations with people in the church, one of the things that almost always happens when we start talking about choices and decisions is people will pipe up or say something about their faith. I have faith. And it's not like I'm trying to call in or question their faith, but that's one of the first things. I got faith, I believe. And then what happens a lot of times is I see that the faith is just... As, as far as the tangible facts. But that's not really faith at all. Faith is being sure of what we hope for. Our deepest dreams. We think about situations. We think about choices and outcomes. Faith is being sure of what we hope for. Of moving forward without doubt, worry, or fear. Believing that God is who He says He is. Faith is being sure of what we hope for. Certain of what we do not see. It's not on the horizon. It's not there in front of us. We can't touch it. We can't feel it. But we believe it. The next time, maybe maybe you'll do it tonight. Maybe you'll do it another time. You can even do it today when you leave the sanctuary. Go out and stand and look around. He, he, Jeremiah includes in his words and in his prayer uh, the creation and the power and the wonder of nature. You have that same capability. Then you have his word and all of his promises revealing even more about who it is that he says that he is and who he'll be in your heart and in your life. But go outside, take a look. Look at the fields, look at the trees. 
And if you have a clear night, go out and stand. We have lots of opportunities in this area in which we live. If you live in the city, go drive out to the country. Get out of your car and look up at the sky. And ask yourself, is anything too hard for the God who created all this? Who put everything in its place? Is anything too hard for him? You know, what follows after verse 1 in Hebrews 11 is a listing. I call it the hall of fame for faith. All kinds of men and women who did incredibly faith-filled things. Guys like Noah built a big ship in the middle of nowhere. Everybody blasted him and ridiculed for him, sneered at him every time they walked by him. It took a lot of time. It took a lot of expense. It took a lot of effort. It made no sense whatsoever. He trusted God. He made a choice. I think of Abraham. God telling Abraham when he's well, 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 well past childbearing years that he was going to have a son by his wife, Sarah. Everything said not going to happen. Abraham made a choice to trust God. I thought of Joseph. Remember Joseph? Sold into slavery by his own brothers. I often have thought when Joseph was in the midst of that, they they grabbed him out of the cistern and they sell him into slavery. What he's thinking, what he's processing, what's going through his head. Is this the end? This is it? My brothers have sold me and I'm just going to be a slave somewhere. No, he made a choice to trust God in the moment. The list goes on and on and on. We live in a world that says, show me the proof. I want evidence. I want facts. I'm going to be honest, uh, it's really hard for me today in this world in which we live in to trust people. I trust all of you. But an ever-increasing erosion of integrity and character, when deceitfulness is becoming an art, But I trust God. Almighty one. And all kinds of examples and experiences of that in the living of life. People who've displayed incredible faith and have made a choice to trust God. They're beautiful stories. A guy who was a corporate executive going through just a nightmare situation. Had all of this stuff, 
So he had to pay for it, right? He leaves this job. Everything's gone. But he can't do it anymore. And he's asking God, is there something different? What can I do? I I, I need to get out of this situation. Lots of conversations, lots of prayers. He makes a choice to trust God. Powerful story. God has blessed him so much. Especially in areas that really matter in his life. There's a, a great couple of verses I want to close with found in Habakkuk. You all know where that's at, right? Yeah, right between Nahum and Zephaniah, and you know where those are, right? Yeah, just kidding. Maybe you do. That's awesome. It's a minor prophet. And right at the end of um, the book of Habakkuk, chapter 3, verses 17 to 19, there's these words. Open up your heart. Listen to what is being said here. Though the fig tree does not bud, and there are no grapes on the vines. Though the olive crop fails, and the foods produce no food. Though there are no sheep in the pen, and no cattle in the stalls. Yet, I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Savior. The sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer and enables me to go on the heights. What a situation. It's a dire situation, right? No food. No figs, no grapes, no olives, no crops in the field agricultural time, community. No sheep in the pen, no cattle in the stalls, no food, a necessity. We we struggle when we think about things that happen in our lives, right? The car breaks down. The computer isn't working. And if things are really bad, our phone is not working. I heard a few gasp. I don't know if those were from millennials or not, but this is food. There's none, and there's promise of none. And yet, what do we read? Faith is not mentioned in this whole um, passage that I read the verses, but it's there. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. Why? Because the writer knows who God is. The writer trusts that God will provide everything for them, even the basic necessities that they have and have no promise of whatsoever. You see these words, are they familiar to you? I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in my Savior. Who do we call Jesus? God, Lord and Savior. This person knew that to be true. And because of that, despite the most dire of situations, they had joy and they had trust in their heart.
if not tomorrow, if not next week, at some point in time, God will be asking you to make a choice to trust Him. If not tomorrow, if not next week, at some time, God is going to ask you to make a choice to trust Him when it seems like it's ridiculous. When there is no rhyme or reason that you should. Who will God be to you in that moment? You'll have a choice to trust or not to trust. Brothers and sisters, and Jesus Christ, God is amazing. There's nothing that God cannot do. Memorize the words of Philippians 4.13. It's a beautiful thing to know God and to know that He is someone who can do all things, that nothing is too hard for Him. The greater the need for trust, the greater the blessing, the greater the honor and glory to God. Let's pray together. Lord God, I thank you for being who you are. Lord, today, um, when we walk outside and we see the world that you created, we look at our car, we go to our homes. We see family, we see friends. Help us to realize how blessed we are. Help us to know, oh God, that they are there because you put them in our life. You gave them to us to bless us with. And there's so much more you want to pour into our hearts and to our lives. But you give us choice choice to trust you or not trust you. I ask, O Lord, that your word will be seared on our hearts and it will be lived to become your living word in us. We ask all these things just simply because we want to honor and glorify you, our Savior, our Lord, the Almighty One. It's in your name that we pray. Amen.